good afternoon to you all this afternoon. Of course, you're back with me. I can't see the comments here. Okay. You're just doing your thing. Good afternoon. Friday afternoon, and we've got a amazing day ahead of us. So for those who are currently tuned on and who are live with me, active and attentive, let me see your greetings this afternoon as we continue to speak to ourselves as we normally do and as we continue to address ourselves as we normally do. Give me a bit more. Good afternoon to you, Madam Lydia. I see you. Madam Chika Edmund, Pastor Abba Anderson. Of course, Madam Wanu, Pastor Mo Mrs. Morris. Good afternoon to you. Madam Mary, I see you. Events 101, Pastor Dorothy, Madam Sherelle, I see you. Minister Michael Mabwete, Pastor Karima, Madam Phoebe, I see you still. Pastor Taliba, of course, Pastor Trendy Bakari, Minister Sharif, I see you. Madam Ada Ajaya, I see you. I see all of you this afternoon, and I will still give time for greetings. Minister Manuela Kwanza, good afternoon to you. And it's a, it's a time to just discuss and conversate once again. Pastor Vanessa, good afternoon. I see you live and direct. Pastor Daniel Hector, of course, I see you. Pastor Ghani B, <laughs> and Angel, of course, I greet both of you this afternoon. It's an awesome time to be alive, an awesome time to do a quick fire talk this afternoon. Madam Danielle Loban, Pastor Redell Gordon, good afternoon. You know, if you're going to title what you will hear Pastor Sam preach about in the, for the next five years, and I think I'm always going to start my, my sessions or podcasts or the the talks as they call it i don't want to call it podcast or session but our talks you would always be able to title it raising finances for a 21st century movement and that is i think the way we're going to proceed for the next five years so every time we come on friday like this what we're actually doing is we're registering ourselves to say that we're actually passionate about becoming a channel for resources in God's kingdom. And I've personally felt a shift in my heart take place over the last few days where there is an abundance of wealth that God is bringing to this house. So the job of people like me, your leader, or your leaders is to strategically position you and the first thing is to qualify why we can say such things you have not just seen us talk but you have seen us demonstrate another scripture i have to add there which is what we're going to start with is second thessalonians good afternoon i'll still do some greet in second thessalonians chapter three i believe or so. 
and I think we're going to about verse 13, but oh, but we'll start reading and we'll find our way. So this is an impromptu scripture. Minister Terry Clerk, I see you. And of course, I see all of you. I would like for you to try and increase this font size of this, though. Not because I can't see it, but just because it's very small. Pastor Henry, I see you as well. And I, I see all of you, Pastor Gifty, of course. Raising finances for a 21st century movement. Exactly. Awesome. So those are the things that I'm doing. What I'm looking for is where Paul began to tell them that we were not a burden to you. But in fact, we actually used our own hands to work night and day. Because what I wanted to actually get across to you today is that we never just began to speak these things or preach these things when we say that God is about to bring an abundance of wealth into this house. We don't just talk it. I think one of the things that you would bear witness about is that you've seen your leaders transition. You've seen the highs and you've seen the lows. You've seen the fierceness of their speech. Of course, Pastor Ozzy, I see you. Good afternoon to you. You know it's a pleasure to have you on the broadcast. Um, it's, it has not just been a mere speech. And Paul began to speak to the church. Another scripture as well. So we're going to do these in, um, simultaneously is another First Corinthians as well. So let's start with Second Thessalonians because you have that. And then we'll then go to my, 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 my speech did not just come to you, um, but in, in, in um, mere wisdom, human wisdom, but it also came to you in the demonstration of power. And I'll give you time. So we're moving from the realm of just talking about what God is about to do. And, and you know, for years, you may be someone that has been hearing for years that God is about to bring this or God is about to bring that. And what I need you to understand is between a certain time, let me use between 2016 to 2021 now, there's a filtering process that took place. This screen is black, by the way. I just want to make sure you know that. Um, there was a certain filtering process that took place. But now God is beginning to say we're moving into a phase of demonstration. And he has demonstrated certain things before. So you can have testimonials of certain companies. And if you see the flyer today, there are certain representations of economic saviors that are coming to actually transform the world as long as we can continue, as long as we can continue to be persistent. But let's do some scripture readings today. And I hope you're ready for me. Go for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh -huh. we command you, uh -huh. brothers and sisters, yeah. to keep away from every believer mm -hmm. who is idle and disruptive mm. and does not live according to the teaching. Uh -huh. According to the teaching you, you receive from, from us. us yeah. For you yourselves know you ought to follow our example. Look at this. So let's start from here today because we're reading from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7. So the, a leader cannot just be a leader in speech alone. He must be a leader by example. And one of the things that I feel that we're all privileged to have in the nation family are leaders of example. These leaders are not just going to talk the talk. They're also going to walk the walk. So if we begin to talk about raising finances for a 21st century movement, I want you to know that for the past however many years, I can statistically tell you via data and it's on record that 
my seed has not dropped below a certain level, and that's below six figures. It's it's not dropped below that. Do you understand that? But now I'm saying to you that I have to be a teacher of example because power is not actually in the fact that I'm talking. Power is in the fact that I'm a preacher of example. I'm a teacher of example. So the things I come to speak to you about, I don't just speak about it. I do them. Do you understand that? And of course, there will be times in our lives where things are not going according to the way we wish they would go. But I'm also talking about ability to press even when the grain or resistance is heavy. So I need you to then be with me in this journey. So he says, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. So leaders must be an example so that people can have things to follow. You can't tell, but you know, they say, don't, they say, do as I say and not as I do most times. That's how most leaders lead. But what we're able to say in this nation family is that don't do as I say, do as I do. So, because sometimes in my own opinion or in my own case, sometimes I may say differently than what I would do. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were... We were not idle when we were with you. We were never idle when we were with you. And this is, I think this is the template and the structural format of the nation family. This is the, this is the hands-on approach of leadership. So he says, we were not idle when we were with you. Can I get an increase in the keys just a bit? We were not idols when, when we were with you, but what happened? Nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. Nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. So they were. So you see the nation family structure, how it gets sometimes when you have people who are serving, but they, they're cooking for leaders sometimes, or they're doing whatever they're doing. It said, we did not do these things without paying for it, but what? On the contrary, uh -huh. we worked night and day. We worked night and day. So the imagery of the leadership that you get in the nation family is that these leaders, they work night and day. Before I tell anybody about seed, I'm working night and day, sitting down inside of the, uh, inside of the family office and talking to the, to the staff and working night and day to make sure that we are also, what it says here, laboring toil and toiling so that we will not do be what? You a read it. A burden to any of you. A burden to any of you. So the truth of the leadership is that we saw the burdens of people, so we removed our own burden from them. And because of the burdens we saw a generation, a community had, we then took on the burden of raising finances. And we didn't raise finances just so that we can live a luxury life. And I was discussing this with Pastor Alicia the other day. I was actually saying that, funny enough, it is either... You have a choice to choose what fight you want to fight. Now, there are two kind of fights that will present themselves to you. There will be the fight of what you're currently lacking right now. It will continuously speak to your mind and tell you this is what you don't have. A, B, C. That might be a lack of finances. That might be the lack of relationships. That might be the lack of a job. Whatever it might be, though, that is one fight and it can continuously wage war in your mind. Or there is a fight of target. The fight of target can be, even though I lack certain things right now, there is a target that we're all fighting together to meet. And when we're meeting that target, 
I cannot afford to think about the things that are void in my life right now. I've only got one finger ahead of me that I need to focus on and that, that is the target that my leader has set. When I begin to move in that dimension, I actually begin to forcefully move out of lack and into a new realm totally. So he begins to say that we leaders worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we did not, we would not be a burden to any of you. So when you look at some of your leaders, you'll realize that the only burden that they gave you is the fight that they have, not the interest, not the instrument of looking after them in their own lives. So there are some leaders that will say to you that, okay, we're fighting this fight together, and then there are some leaders that will point to the burdens that you have. I am a leader that will tell you that look this is our fight and this is where we're going and this is despite of the personal burdens that you may have in your own life so if the bailiff comes to your door in the afternoon then that is his own business but this is our fight this is the fight that we are on right now so leaders will not be a burden to any of you rather to be an example example to work night and day that's why i said if you're going to be on this platform it is actually to know that these topics are about raising finances for a 21st century movement so the first thing we see here is the example of leaders working night and day we're constantly focused on our target we're constantly focused on so winning we're constantly focused on pushing our nation, our community into a new realm financially. We're constantly focused on willing and developing more people. We're constantly focused. What does he say next? We did this not because we do not have the right to such help. Exactly. I needed that part because it's not because we do not have the right to such help. This is the pastor Daniel Hector here. If he says to me tomorrow that, sir, I just want to bless you with a, a, a seed. I'm not going to say there's no, that is not right. That is not proper. That's very right. That's very proper. But what I'm saying is not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as, as a model for you to imitate. To offer ourselves. So why did we start in seed? So that you will understand the essence of seed. So you did not have to just hear the talking of seed alone. You saw your leader's soul. So when your leaders sow at the amounts that they sow at, it is not just because there's some great people. They're actually created to show you possibilities. So if your leader can't show you possibilities financially, then I'm, I'm sorry, but you may need a new leader. Because what actually needs to happen is that you must actually enter into realms where you are seeing by example that nothing is impossible for you. So I think the next step of leaders is to actually break into multi-millions a month realm so that they can show those who follow that it is actually possible. What is the new system, strategy and structure for the nation family? It is possibilities. And the possibilities will be shown because certain people will be raised financially all of a sudden. Moving ahead of myself. This is why I told you that it's all chronic. It's, it never goes well with me. The spirit, is, it, it does its own thing. Uh, to offer ourselves a model for you to imitate. Do you not see the the lifestyle that Paul 
began to lead. And one of the things I need to do for anybody who finds my voice significant is to actually let you know that your life is supposed to be a continuous example for somebody else to imitate. So you can never just settle with the fact that this is how much you earn and you're beginning to cut out your life or build your kind of life because that means that you have stopped being a person that can be imitated and you have now began to set out a new structure but consider your leaders consider the example that they have set for you the sacrificial kind of lifestyle that they have set for you in order for there to be continuity so consider the persistence that goes on even when there was no money or there was lack consider the way that they fought to make sure resources were brought to the table consider the way when certain people never had seed leaders would sow on their behalf consider your leaders because paul began to break it down to the church in thessalonica that the reason why we work the way we do is to serve ourselves up as a model so if your leaders broke into six-figure giving then guess what it is only to serve ourselves up as a model the minute you begin to say that's peace i'm and that's not me then the, you're beginning to step outside of line or the minute you begin to say that's pity and that's not me then you're gonna you're beginning to step outside of line because you're supposed to see the model ahead of you and do what imitate so i think it is important that we define imitate when we speak about raising finances for a 21st century movement or a 21st century church remember i said to you what you would hear me speak about for the next five years, the next seven years, until some people are spoken into the million and billion pound realm is raising finances for a 21st century movement. Go for it. Imitate. Mm. To follow in manners. To mm. copy in form. To follow in manners. To copy in form. So, when we talk about form, we're talking about shape. When we talk about shape, it means to take after, to look exactly like, to take the shape of your leaders. When you, first of all, look at the sacrifice of your leaders, you take that shape first. You know, one of the things that I consistently would be asking myself or my leader is, what, were you, what would you do now? at 25 if i'm 25 if i were you and those are the things that i share with some of my people around me i tell them look this is what i would be doing my life will be consistently sacrificial i wouldn't worry about any relationship anywhere because i realize that those things are futile i would actually just be forcing my way into more and more sacrifice putting my life on the line and that's what i want to talk to you about today but let's stay in this so to follow in manners to copy in form or to pursue the course of a composition let's let's look at to copy and form color or quality but then go on you read what you were reading to pursue the course of a composition to pursue the course of the makeup of somebody so as to use like images mm -hmm. and examples so here we go when it says the reason why i do what i do the reason why you will sit me, see me sitting down in meetings, continuously discussing and bringing people into the realm of finances with me is to serve as a model that can be imitated. 
to serve as a standard that can be imitated. Can I dare say to you that if there is nothing to imitate, there cannot be faith. Faith comes on the, on the, on the bedrock of imitation. So quickly jump to me, jump for me to, to Hebrews chapter 6 very quickly. And I believe the desired verse is 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, uh -huh. since there was no one greater for him to swear by, yeah. he swore by himself, mm -hmm. saying, I will surely bless you yeah. and give you many descendants. Mm. And so after waiting patiently, yeah. Abraham received what was promised. Uh -huh. People swear by someone greater than themselves. That's right. And the oath confirms what is said mm -hmm. and puts an end to all arguments. Yeah. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose mm. very clear to his heirs of what was promised. Yeah. He confirmed it with an oath. Yeah. God did this so that by two impossible, by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God, God to, to lie, lie. Mm -hmm. we who have fled to take hope, to take hold of the hope yeah. set before us may be greatly encouraged. Go for it. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, mm. firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain yep. where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever okay. in the order of Melchizedek. I think we skipped something. I think it might be a few verses before, actually, the 13. Because there's something I'm looking for there. I think it's follow the example or remember your leaders also. But if you find it, you can help me read it. Let me see if I can help you. Even though yeah. we speak like this, dear friends, okay. we are convinced of better things in your case. What verse are you reading from? From verse 9. Verse 9. Mm -hmm. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, yeah. we are convinced of better things in your case. Mm -hmm. The things that have to do with salvation. Yeah. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. And the love you have shown him as you have helped him. I love this. So first of all, he says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. And the love you have shown him. We're still going to go back to Second Thessalonians, right? Because Paul began to speak about work as well. But he said, he will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and, and continue to help them. Go for it. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. Uh-huh. So that what you hope for may Maybe. be fully realized. Okay. We do not want you to become lazy. Yeah. Lazy. Uh -huh. But to imitate those who through faith and patience. Okay. So look at this. I said to you that I dare to say that faith cannot be actually enacted unless there is imitation. So Eden begins to say here, the writer of Hebrews begins to say here, we do not want you to become lazy. Look at what his definition of a non-lazy man is. He says, but to imitate. So the opposite of laziness is imitation. So the minute you stop imitating what is in front of you, you have become a lazy man. 
Because anywhere you see but means that there is a change happening. So he first of all says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate. So the imitation is the work. The copying is the work. The following of leadership is the work. That is why someone like me will believe in leadership so much because I understand that the work is not the seed I sow. It is actually to imitate what is in front of me. The minute I stop watching what is in front of me, the minute I stop following the move of God called nation family, the minute I stop following the man of God called PT, the minute I stop observing kingly the things that he does and the way this move is being carried out, then I have become lazy. The minute I am carving out my own personality doesn't mean that there are not different expressions of the same character, but it still means that there must be imitation because imitation is the opposite of laziness here. So he says, but to imitate those who through what? Faith and patience uh? inherit what has been promised. So he speaks about the imitation of those who through faith. So how do you contract faith? By imitating those who through faith. Do you understand that when a PT has come to the country in, in 2005 and through faith is able to raise a nation family, of course, by the power of the Holy Ghost, but then through the man called PT, there is a nation family raised and you begin to imitate those who through faith and what? And patience. And patience. Those who started out on a certain level and from Day to day, time to time, season to season, I've seen a level of increase. You imitate them. And that is why you cannot follow many opinions in life because you're too busy imitating one opinion. When you are a man or woman clouded by many opinions, it doesn't matter what field you're in or what, or what industry you want to take over. If there is not an imitation ground in your life, a place where you sit down and study men and study movements in your life, then what will happen is you will be a mixture of background, culture, and church. So he said, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Then he went on to talk about Abraham. Back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We did this, uh -huh. not because we do not have the right to such help, uh -huh. but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. So what we are offering ourselves as, why we are seeding and giving is because seeding and giving is the new economic pattern for, the, for a generation. So this nation family is offering itself as a model. What you are doing is that you are the first participants in the model that will change the world. How do we know that this model will change the world? God's system has consistently been the same. It has been the same since Joseph. It has been the same since Isaac. In fact, I have to show you consistent seedings. Genesis chapters 26. You will hold that for, for a second, but let's finish this. But in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, for you to imitate. So when you go back and you're looking for how to progress to the next level, for when you go back and you're looking at your business or your or your or your or the state of your life at the moment and you're looking at how to progress to the next level, tell yourself one word, who am I imitating? 
Who do I constantly sit down with? And not just sit down with, who do I watch? Who do I watch the way they do what they do? A model for yourself to imitate, verse 10. For even when we were with you, yeah. we gave you this rule. Uh -huh. The one who is unwilling to work shall not Unbelievable. Eat. Unbelievable. Imagine this being given as a rule. So for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. So work may vary. Some of you are hardened soul winners. That's your work and you're working. And you need to believe in your heart and understand that God has a system where he employs his men. And the scriptures continuously tell us that the worker is worthy of his wages. So it says, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. I want you to understand that work means paying attention to what God has called you to do. Work here means the ability to carry on becoming what God has predetermined you to be from the beginning. He said, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Verse 11. We hear that some among you uh, are idle and disruptive. Uh, they are not busy. They are busy bodies. Imagine that. Imagine using idle and busy in the same sentence. He said, they are not busy. They are up and... I love this scripture so much, you know. He said, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. The meaning... To mean idle means that you're involved in every conversation. You have no central point of focus that takes your time. There is no souls that you're trying to win. You're too busy talking about what happened last year or last month. Or, and you're not focused and zoned in on what God has called the nation family to do right now. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. You know, there is a body that is still but a mind that is very active. It is in, it is in so-and-so's business. It is in this person's business. It is in that person's business. It says they are not busy. They are busy bodies. The mind that runs and wants to know what this person is up to, who so-and-so is with now. They were with this person yesterday. Now they're with that person. That is a busy body. He said some of you are idle and disruptive. So now it is time for you to leave what makes you idle. The gossip centers that make you idle. The things in your life that you complain about that make you idle. And it is time to enter into what? Twelve. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. to settle down uh. and earn the food they eat. And earn the food they eat. So it is settle, it's time to settle down and become assignment focused. So it is not good enough for, for me as Pastor Sam to be sitting on the ropes and sending out leaders and not be war ready. I need to show you the responsibility of leaders in war. In just a moment. He's talking here about work and I'm going to substitute the work for war because the truth of the matter is what I was telling the house of capital the other day was most times in your life all you will be trained and prepared for all your life is to have conditions of peace. The government give you conditions of peace. Universal credit is a condition of peace. Meaning even if you fell all the way through life we have a system that is ready to absorb you. But Paul begins to tell them and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn. 
and earn the food they eat. I love the word earn. It means that when you're, when you're actually working, you, you, you put in a system that you put in a shift, sorry, that merits what you get back. When I sow my seed, I'm not looking for the harvest. I'm looking to earn seed so that I can sow it. I don't care about the harvest. I care about whether my seed is in the ground. I'm sorry. God, I'm making this statement that I don't care what is on the end of what I sowed or what I have sown. I care the fact that my sowing is continuous. That I am a major credit and a major contributor to this thing that you are doing here on earth. I am privileged to be a contributor. I don't care about what you can give up back to me i am just privileged to be a part of what you are doing in a generation he says earn the food they eat verse 13 and as for you brothers and sisters look at this never tire of doing what is good did you see where we saw this before paul was constantly a repetitive preacher to tell people to not tire of doing good because it's telling you that somewhere along the journey in doing good, there will be opportunity to become tired. There will be opportunity to be worn out. There will be opportunity to sit back and watch others do what you are no longer willing to do. But he said, never tire of doing what is good. When you see the word good there or good works, you should know that it has everything to do with giving. So he says, verse 14. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this mm -hmm. letter. Do not associate with them. Yeah. In order that they may feel ashamed. Imagine that people will get onto you because you're a seed man or a seed woman. It tells me that they don't read the scriptures, but they are falling into a certain structure called religion. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. This was not God speaking. This is Paul's instruction to the church. And he said, do not associate with them. So I, can, I have the right to ask a pastor, Daniel Hector, if he's a giver. And if he tells me no, then I have the right not to associate with him. Of course, I know he's a giver. That's why I can use him as an example. But the truth of the matter is, if he doesn't, if he's not, then I have the right not to associate with him. Imagine what Paul was able to do. Paul was a man who was setting up men and women for real warfare. You know, I was discussing Paul the other day and I realized that these are certain men who sat in countries for years and just began to teach the word and mobilize people till they won one quarter of the world. So one of the things I'm beginning to realize is I need men who understand fully the assignment that they have been called to and the reckless abandon. I put the word reckless there for a reason. You see the word reckless, it talks about you've lost all sense of judgment in a certain field. So people around you will be designed to try and speak sense to you. When it comes to seed and so winning, they will tell you about living your own life. And they will tell you about considering the certain things about your life that you need to put into place. But you're just, you have a reckless sense of judgment when it comes to so winning and seed. Your life is not even under consideration when it comes to these things. So what the New dispensation of leader will be our military generals who understand the need and urgency for finances in order to change a community and to win more souls. The more 
finances we have, the more the campaign advances. It's as simple as that. Do you want to read something? Yes. Go for it. The meaning of earn. That's right. To merit or deserve by labor or by any performance to do that which entitles to a reward, whether mm. the reward is received or not. Look at this. It says, whether the reward is received or not, behave as if somebody who has earned what they need to eat. So I love the, the way that Paul talks. And one of the things that my, um, the guys that are around, you will tell, around me will tell you is that I'm, I, I'm very keen to, to work and earn. I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not one of those that will say God will do it. I'm one of those that will say I will do it and God will know. I'm determined to raise a generation that will take on God's cause and fight their way into God's covenant. Those who have not seen the end of their lives already. You know there are certain people that have seen the end of their lives already. That's why they're trying to secure whatever they need to secure for tomorrow. I'm sorry, the end of my life is when I'm sleeping and I'm getting ready to meet my maker. Until then, I continually continuously fight let's look at it let's look at the scripture and i told you what is the role of leaders in war deuteronomy chapter 20 pastor Oni was discussing with me one day when he was preaching a word and he was preaching it to himself and i'm beginning to discover that all i come on on friday afternoons to do when we title these things economic saviors or we title these things um, modern day heroes is i'm just actually preaching to myself and telling myself the kind of man god has destined you to be in from since the beginning deuteronomy chapter 20 from verse 1 let's read and let me see the comments quickly i hope you're following me through this journey i hope you believe I hope you believe that God is able to raise. <laughs> God is able to raise some of you as economic saviors. But these are men with utmost focus on the assignment that is actually laid ahead of us. These are men that will never actually back down from a fight. I need you to see what I've seen in these scriptures in this afternoon. Go for it. When you go to war against your enemies. I believe the NIV will title this going to war. Look at God's pre-qualification for men who go to war. He said, first of all, he said, when you go to war against your enemies. Now, let me first of all do something. Let me qualify the war. First war you will have in your life is not you versus the world. It is actually you versus you. The first battlefield you will engage in is the battlefield called your mind. These are the wars that you will consistently face. But then after a while, you will know that the, co the collective war that we're on in the nation family is the war for economic liberation. We are trying to set a whole generation free from the bondage of poverty. We are in an economic war. And he says, when you go to war against your enemies and... See horses and chariots. Let me qualify horses and chariots for you. 
when you see systems like the banking systems we currently see, the HSBCs of the world, the Barclays of the world, the, the whatever banks, Goldman Sachs, the institutions that ex have existed for years, the JP Morgans of the world, these houses of Morgans that have existed for years and have transacted in trillions and trillions of pounds and dollars, when you see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours. The first thing that you have to understand is the army and war that you are engaging, the armies that are in it will be greater than yours. That's the first thing that you have to do. You have to understand, yes, that the armies, the resources they have will be greater than ours. The people they have in those organizations will be greater than ours. They would have been in those systems and they would have come from families and, the, and ancestors that have been in the banking world for years upon years. But then he says, even though you see an army that is greater than yours, do what? Do be afraid of them. So the first thing that happens in the economic field is that there cannot be fear here. There cannot be fear about what you will eat tomorrow, about what you will wear tomorrow. When you're in the seed realm, there cannot be fear about how you're going to pay your bills tomorrow because... The Lord your God uh, who brought you out of Egypt. Can I quickly mention something here? The Lord who brought you out of whatever he brought you out from because you were not like this. This is not the Hector that came into the nation. This is a totally different Hector. So guess what? There must have been something that you were brought out of. He said the same God who brought you out of the time of Egypt will do what? Will be with you. So the only thing that I understand when the Lord is with a man, I have to take a reference of Joseph. Because the Bible talks about Joseph and says that Joseph prospered in the house of Potiphar because the Lord was with him. You don't have to go there. So he says, when you go to war, and I think I've defined our war, it is an economic war to liberate a whole community from poverty. Imagine the realm I said we're in. I asked myself, Pastor Sam, what realm are you in right now? And it is not just to have prosperity, it's to create it for others. So I'm going to have to look at 10 people and say, I need to raise 10 people who can sow 20K a month. It is not just, so the fight that you may find yourself in, the battlefield that you may fight yourself in, I've defined war now to you. The first war you will have is not you versus the world. It is you against you. The second war is the collective war. That collective war is to liberate a whole community from poverty. It is economic liberation. So what is the world work waiting for? Economic saviors. It is in times past, God has continuously raised economic saviors. But all I wanted to take out from this was the role of leaders in war. So verse 2. When you are about to go into battle, mm. the priest shall come forward and address the army. What is the role of leaders in war? Imagine, I've, I don't know if you've ever watched the war films before. And you see a military general at the front beginning to talk to his soldiers and tell them that we die here. I don't know if you've ever heard those things in the movies. And you know some of you know that I love the Vikings so much, right? So the Vikings would then do things like, we die with axe in hand, ready for Valhalla. I love those things, but 
we'll leave those things out today. So when PT was talking yesterday, he said something about stay here. And then I, I, I wrote, we die here. Until you've actually made up your mind that this is where you die. I don't care about tomorrow. I just care about being consistently in the actions that God has called me to be in. That seed sowing and so winning. I don't care about what my life looks like tomorrow. And someone can say now, when they look at it, Pastor Sam, they can say now, well, Pastor Sam, it's easy for you to do that. But can I tell you something very, very casually and very, very important though? I, once, I was once where you were. Wherever you find yourself today. If you find yourself unlimited in resources, remember at one point that this is the same Pastor Sam that struggled to buy train pass to get on the train. Just before you think you're just speaking to a refined man, this is a man that had to carry out warfare on himself first so that when Goliath comes, he's ready to engage him. And so when we now look at things like this, you can quickly be, you can be quick to say that when you go about your battle, this one is Pastor Sam talking from a place of privilege. But remember that I did not start in a place of privilege. And I'm still not in a place of privilege because whatever we receive as money goes out into warfare. So you must decide what kind of man or woman you're going to be, whether you're going to be a woman or man of assignment, or you're going to be a woman or a man chasing to become a person in a privileged position. And I believe that men should be in privileges, privileged positions, but just for the sake of being able to carry out real warfare. So he says here, when you go out into battle, the priest shall come forward. The mobilizer is the priest. He shall come forward and address the army. So I don't know when the churches and pastors turned into people who were just trying to build their own lives. Because here I saw a different role of a priest. He was the one that was going to initiate warfare. And remind the people that they have nations to conquer. They have financial targets to meet. They have people to win. Do you want to read something? He shall say, mm. Hear Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Look at this. Look at the pre-qualifications of a man that will become an economic savior. He shall say, Hear Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. So every day you wake up is a battle against number one you, but then against the enemy. What is the enemy in this case? Poverty. I think everybody should wake up reminded that there is a poverty that we are actually trying to climb out of for the sake of a whole community. What is prosperity? The ability to do what God wants us to do per time. So every time we are unable to meet a certain target, we should know that there is, there is still a need to actually fight for the prosperity of people. When we begin to say, when I begin to come out and say our target is 200 for the month, then guess what you're supposed to say? That is everybody's fight. That is everybody's war. So the priest comes out and sets a target and says today, every day, the now day you are going into battle 
against your enemy. And guess what? He says to us, there are prerequisites. There are qualifications that you must need in order for you to not fall a victim to the battle you are in. He says, do not what? Do not be faint-hearted mm -hmm. or afraid. Mm. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. The victory belongs to God, but he goes with you to enact victory. So the economic fight that you are in, I don't care the lack that you are experiencing now. I don't care the, the struggles and the resistance that you face. I don't know if there's anybody who has tried something and thought this money was coming for this time, but it never came. I hope you know that that is still a part of God's predetermined plan in order to raise a real, a real warrior that knows how to face the real situations of life. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. So he said one of the pre-qualifications is don't be faint-hearted. When you thought the money was coming through and it never came through, don't be faint-hearted. When, when you're owing somebody and you're in a debt with a person and they come and it looks as if there's no way out of this situation, don't be faint-hearted or afraid. Because you know those are things that make people backtrack. Is those are things that make people soft-hearted. And I had a talk with a young lady the other day, and I said to her that, you know, 2019, many people are scarred from that because they felt as if they were hurt by one or two things that may have happened. And I'm saying the prerequisites and the qualifications for war, first of all, is do not be faint-hearted. Verse 5. The officers shall say to the army... Mm. Has anyone built? Look at this, because now we're qualifying people. Men, men who have surrendered their lives to a cause bigger than their own life. So the officer shall say, has anyone built a new house and not yet begun to live in it? Mm -hmm. Let him go home. Or he may die in battle and someone else will begin to Look at it. this. He says, if anyone has built a new house, property developers. If anyone has built a new house, as is, is looking for a system that will make them comfortable. Remember, this is God speaking through the priest and the officers, those in charge of people. He's speaking to them to tell them the people that should not follow you to the battlefield because they will become victims of what they're fighting in. So when we begin to talk about economic saviors, it's first of all to disqualify the people that even though you may call yourself a seed sower, you'll become a victim of the thing that you think you're engaging in because you haven't fully surrendered yourself to the cause of war. He says here, has anyone built a new house and not yet begun to live in it? Let him go home or he may die. He will become a victim of warfare. He may die in battle and what will happen? And someone else may begin to live in Number it. two. Go for it. Has anyone planted a vineyard? Businessmen. If you're more interested in your business than you are in the advancement of the nation. The only reason why we do business is because there's a nation that we want to finance. There's a nation that we want to sow seed in. And when I say a nation we want to finance, it's not as if God does not have ways 
to finance his own nation. It is just that he gives opportunity to men. So he says, as anyone planted a vineyard and as anyone's business overtaken them to the point where it's now about using the business to create a zone of comfort for themselves rather than using the business to propel their seed amount in the nation. He says, if anyone has planted a vineyard and not begun to enjoy it, let him do what? Let him go home or, or he may die in battle. He will also become a victim of warfare. Because his focus has changed. It's changed to the things of, into enjoying the proceeds of his vineyard to allow, instead of allowing those proceeds to sow again and reap more fruit. He, he says, let him go home. Let him, let him move away from the battlefield because this battlefield belongs to men who are going to engage alone in the battlefield, not having anything to consider at home. There is no rent that I'm afraid of because I don't consider that. If we're living on the street tomorrow, then we live on the street tomorrow. But it is about engaging in warfare for the sake of the nation. Remember, I've qualified the battle. Economic liberation for a whole generation. And that starts with seed and souls. But let's see what it says. And he may... Or he may die in the battle and... And someone else enjoy it. Uh -huh. Has anyone pledged to a woman Look and at not married her? <laughs> Ooh. Has anyone pledged to a woman and not married her? Those, and you know, I've been, I've been on this thing. I'm not going to go too much into it because this is the bit where people will act like they can't hear what I'm saying. So, but look at the qualifications of those who engage in warfare. He said these are the ones that are disqualified from coming to the battle with you. Has anyone become pledged to a woman and not married her? Let him go home or or he may die in battle and someone else marry That her. one is self-explanatory. I'll leave it alone. Go for it. Then the officers shall add uh. is anyone afraid or faint-hearted? Back to this thing again. Is anyone afraid or faint-hearted? So, do you know what I began to discover? It is not about the number of people. God does need, not need many men. He just needs quality men. Men who have decided to surrender to the will of God and have made the will of God their foremost priority. He said, if I find men like that in your ranks, then guess what? Those are the ones that you take to the battlefield. Others that have their minds set on other things. Maybe they may be in the nation family because it suits what they want to be in life. He says to them, let them go home. And so that, oh my days, I love this. So that what? His fellow soldiers will not become disheartened too. Because whatever you are around, you are around is contagious. If you are around disheartened men, you will become disheartened. But if you are around fairy men, and that's why I had to talk about example and imitation to start with. Because if you're around fiery men, you will be fired up for seed. When somebody is going low in terms of their seed sowing, check the men they're around. There are men, they are around men who are more interested in their vineyard than who, than who are more interested than those who are more fired up for the nation. They become men who are more interested in getting married than men who are more interested in the uplift of their nation. So when we talk about economic saviors, we're actually talking about the state of men that engage in warfare.
So he says, so that fellow soldiers will not become disheartened too. So when I see a man become disheartened about soul winning or seed sowing, I actually know that that man has changed his circle. Is anyone afraid or disheartened? Let him go home. So while the soldiers are going off to war, what he's basically saying is, a man of warfare does not keep a man who is a civilian around him. He has meetings with him, but he doesn't stay around him. So some of you as in your friendship group should really be asking your people, what do you sow? Already the line of warfare for me is so tough that you already know when someone is disappearing for you because they know that this has become a firing line in this guy's life. I can't be around him unless I'm on that same firing line. Because fellow soldiers cannot be disheartened. People are either fired up or disheartened based on who you are. So how do we raise more seed sowers? Have more men fired up. How do we become economic saviors? Have more men fired up. More men sacrificial. More men not concerned about where the money to take care of themselves is going to come from. But more men patriotic towards their nation and flowing as soldiers. How do you create more prosperity? Have more men fired up because the men that become disheartened will dishearten others. I used to say this a lot and I used to quote gigs a lot. It's either you're fully on or you're fully off. Disheartened men will dishearten others. Check your circle. You want to ask why progress has not really come the way it needs to come? Check your circle. You want to ask why financial liberation has not come the way it needs to come? Check your circle. Fellow soldiers, disheartened fellow soldiers. So imagine they have the uniform of a soldier on, but they're disheartened on the inside. So God turned to David's brothers and said, yes, these men are cool. They've got Saul's army's uniform on, but it is not the outward appearance that I look at. For I, the Lord, search the heart of man. I do not consider men according to their outward appearance because you see the thing about disheartened men, it, is, it does not show on the outside. They can still do their quota, but their heart is speaking something else on the inside. Verse 9, we're still coming there. Message, sir. Mm. The officers will then continue. Uh. And is there a man who here is wavering in resolve? Oh, my days. I love this today. Is a man wavering in resolve? <laughs> is a man wavering in his resolve around seed and soul? So what do men fall in love with? They fall in love with your resolve. The, your ability to keep fighting even when things are not going your way. So I didn't understand when my brothers used to just say, if we're going to define anything about peace, I'm, it's just that he's a fighter. It doesn't, it, you have to become men with unwavering resolve. These are men that even in the face of intense fire and, in the, and, and under intense scrutiny, they have no they have no intention of backing down. They are neither, they never, they never waver in resolve and they are not afraid. If there is some of them who are wavering in resolve, meaning, but you know what I said? He said, I love what he says. He said, and is there a man? Is there a man here who is wavering in resolve and afraid? Let him go home. 
right now. Don't wait to send that man home. Don't wait to get him out of the camp. Let him go home right now so that what? He doesn't infect oh his fellows God. with his timidity and cowardly spirit. Look at this, so that he does not infect. So some things that happen to certain camps is that they're infected with people who waver with resolve. They were with you one minute and then all of a sudden the affairs of life has come to tamper with their resolve. All of a sudden the relationship have come to tamper with their resolve. So what the priest came to do, the officers came to do, was to tell you the things that would tamper with your resolve. He says so that it doesn't affect his, fellow, his fellows with timidity and cowardly spirits. Nine. When the officers have finished speaking to mm -hmm. the troops, yeah. let them appoint commanders of the troops uh -huh. who shall muster them by units. When you come up against a city to attack it, yeah. call out peace. If they answer, yes, peace, open the city to you. Then everyone found there will be conspired as forced labors and work for you. Let's but leave this alone. So we talked about example. We've talked about the role of leaders in warfare. Let's look at the quality of man. 2 Samuel chapter 23. I wondered what it was about David's men that made them, made God establish an everlasting covenant with David. But I've still got two more scriptures for you. So let's start with 2 Samuel chapter 3 because we're talking about the state of a man that becomes an economic savior, raising finances in a 21st century movement. So what am I saying to you before, before I get to the scripture? If you're going to be a man that really carries out God's predetermined plan, there is going to have to be something that shifts on the inside of you. I've looked at military leaders like, and this is going to be so controversial, like Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden. Men who got men to sacrifice their lives against for for military expeditions against what they called the West. Men who got men to put on suicide vests and head to the front line where US troops were and blow themselves up for the cause of Allah. Now nobody should go and wear a suicide vest because trust me, God does not have that plan for you at all. But I want to take note as we read 2 Samuel chapter 23. And I need you to breathe it because, um, abbreviate it for me. Otherwise, we would have to start from the verse 1. But I need you to go to, I think, about verse 8 or 9. And let's see what we're doing there. It's, I'm looking for when David wanted water. You see, the type of men before David were a special kind of breed. He's raised men who know how to risk everything for the cause of the man they follow. You have to become someone that knows how to risk everything, that knows how to 
put your whole life on the line because of the man you follow. Have you found it? Go for it. David longed for water and said, mm. Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Look at this. David longed for water. We're talking about the state of a man who can carry out military expeditions. Remember, I've qualified our war. It is an economic war. If we're really going to make it to the other side. I must say this, though. We must also not have any definition on what wealth is. So you can't see 100K and think I'm rich now. It, that would be your background talking. God will be the one to release what he wants to release to us. So we know we have a, a, a target on our back. In the next three months, we want to raise 750K. Fine. Now you're beginning to say, God, what is my own role in this? When he begins to deliver that to you, don't begin to say to yourself, well, I've not been exposed to that kind of finances before. Just say, so be it to, unto me according to your word. But then he says, David longed for water and said, all that. All that someone would get me a drink of water uh -huh. from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Mm. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine wall. I love this. You're going to have to find it in different translations soon. Though. But just we'll stick with this for now. It says, so three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines. They engaged in warfare because their leader wanted water. Because of the need of the leader. This wasn't God asking for water. This was David. These men were sold out to a man. These men were not sold out to their own ambitions. They risked it. In fact, it would say itself. Don't let me get ahead of myself. So now you know why I've been missing. <laughs> because I've been chewing some things that will make me realize that we've got to move this to a new dimension now. Because we're not talking no more about men who are on the fence and are faint-hearted. We're now talking about men who break lines just because their leader wants something. They don't look, and they're not, they're, not, they're not men who consider their own condition. They're men who consider the condition of their leader and because of that they engage in warfare. They don't consider whether they're broke or rich. They just consider target. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines and drew water from the well mm. in the gate of Bethlehem yeah. and carried it back to David. And look at what David did. Go for it. But he refused to drink it. Uh -huh. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Uh -huh. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, uh -huh. he said. Is it not the blood of the men? What is seed? Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? So if it's not at the risk of our lives, we're not going to achieve what we need to achieve. So, if, you know, David used to say this, and you're going to have to find the scripture, far be it from me to offer anything to God that will not cost me anything. The cost must be me considering certain things in my own life. And if I am doing what I'm doing and I'm still comfortable to pay certain things and live in a certain way, then guess what? I am not doing it at the risk of my life. When I am out, sent out on mission, and this was just, imagine men who go on the foot of David. They, they went on the foot of David, not even on the command of David. He said, all that I longed for water from, from Bethlehem, 
these men broke into Philistine camps and lines and began to give, get David what he thought he wanted. These men went at the risk of their lives, engaging in battle because they understood that there is a generation that God is after and David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. I asked you for something so you can find it. Did you find it? Go for it. And the king said to Aronach, uh -huh. But I will surely buy of thee uh. at a price. Yeah. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God uh -huh. if it does not cost me. So he said, I will not offer an offering that does not cost me. Somebody will have to get get me somebody will have to feel the pinch of my offering somewhere i'm sorry i will not offer to god that which does not cost me nothing so if i find myself in certain problems because of my offering remember i'm talking about raising finances for a 21st century movement it is not a it is not a calm work it is a work that costs me something it cost me my blood, my tears, my sacrifice. This is what it cost me. So you don't come into such a movement as a calm or a nice guy. You can't, you, you can't send a calm guy to raise finances. It is a rugged man that understands that because of these offerings, there will be stripes on my back. There will be debts that I have. There will be people I owe. There will be fights I will have to settle because I will not offer to God that which does not cost me nothing. When God speaks about the sure blessings of David, this was not something that was got in the place of calmness or on his bed. This was a man who knew how to offer. He said, surely, but, <laughs> but it's from, I, surely I, will surely, I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. It's going to cost me something. So, let's go back to the men of David. I need it in the message or, or one of the translations that show us exactly what the men of David did. While David was holed up in the cave, the Philistines had their base camp in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. David had a sudden craving and said, mm. Would I ever like a drink of water yeah. from the well at the gate of Bethlehem? Mm -hmm. So the three penetrated the Philistine lines. They penetrated the Philistine lines. They, 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 they engaged Philistines in war because their leader wanted something. So remember I told you the state of men that are going to bring about economic liberation. How do we know what is, who a savior is unless we first of all identify what the war is? These men were so used to engaging in battle that it was water and they just went for it. Let's finish this. So the three penetrated the Philistine line, yeah. drew water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem mm -hmm. and brought it back to David. Mm. But David wouldn't drink it. Mm. He poured it out as an offering to God, saying, yeah. There is no way, God, that I'll drink this. Mm. This isn't mere water. Yeah. It's their lifeblood. Is there, is it, it can't be mere water. It can't be that mere giving. It's their lifeblood. 
So what am I coming to talk about when I talk about economic saviors? I'm talking about people who give their lifeblood. So yeah, well, I'm in the nation family. I know my life will be good. No, but I know your life will be good, but it will be because you gave your lifeblood. So and I have determined, I know already what I'm saying is mad. I know it. It's like you, you dare not say these things. But at the same time, I'm saying to myself, are we going to look at God's system or are we going to play politics with ourselves? What did he say? They risked. They risked their very lives. They risked their very lives to bring it. Uh -huh. So David refused to drink it. Uh -huh. This is the sort of thing that the three did. I love that end. He said, this is the sort of thing that the three did. This is why they were who they were. They, this, is not, this, is, this is just an example of what they did. So when you want to talk about warriors, you have to understand the three mighty warriors that David constantly had around him. There was no obstacle that was going to be an obstacle for them. So he so, said, so, oh, yes, sir, we would want to get you water, but you see the Philistine, they're camped by the well called Bethlehem, so we can't really go there right now. We're going to wait for them to move over. When they've moved, then we will go and get the water. So if you can give us approximately two to three months, um, and then things should have rearranged themselves. No, they broke lines. But if that's just the David's people, Take it to Romans chapter 16 for me. So that you can understand the, the two formations of two military generals. David, the root of Jesse, and then also Paul, the apostle. Read from verse 1. I command to you our sister Phoebe, uh -huh. a deacon of the church in Central. Uh-huh. I ask you to receive her in the Lord yeah. in a way worthy of his people yeah. and give her any help she may need from you. Okay. For she has been a benefactor of many people, yeah. including me. Mm -hmm. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, yeah. my co-workers in Christ Jesus. That's right. They risked their lives for me. Did you see the common pattern of those who take stand in this thing we call church? It is not a greeting until you have people who risk their lives. It is at the expense of their lives that they engage in such movements like this. So it can never be, well, my life is like this. You're, you're already putting it at risk because you're involved in something and you cannot see the end of it. But you're not, in, you're not even intimidated by that because you're imitating men who have gone before you. He said, greet Priscilla and Aquila who risked their lives, not for God. These are men who risk their lives for me. So you're always positioned to risk your life for another man. How do you see the economic power of heaven and the, the kingdom's resources? It is because you are willing to risk all. You have to get rid of the silent whispers on the inside of you that tells you well, what will become of you. Because remember that this movement and the raising of finances is at the risk of your life. The winning of souls is at the risk of your life. Why is it the risk of your life? Because you don't know where this is going to end but you have to trust a system. 
He said, they risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles. These guys were just sold out to another man. They were sold out to God's system. These are the kind of men that must be raised in this house. So be careful what you cry about. I can't cry about the state of my life because I've already risked it on something else. That's why I titled my own sermon to me, We Die Here. Because it is at the risk of my own life. I don't have a Pastor Sam's future. I leave that to my parents and grandparents to desire what they want of my life. But I've risked it and now I understand why 300 Spartans will be so inspirational. Because it is at the risk of their lives. So it is not about how many men you have. It is how many men are willing to risk their lives. How many men are willing to forget the vineyard that they have at home. How many men are willing to forget the houses and the properties they own. How many men are willing to forget the fact that they're married. How many men are willing to die on the mission field. How many men. These sound like good preachings to men. But there's a time when you leave the realm of preaching and it becomes your life. What did I tell you? How do you infect men? By becoming fired up. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Five. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Mm. Greet my dear friend Ephenetus, mm. who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Yep. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Mm. Greet Andonicus and Junior, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with yep. you. They are at outstanding among the apostles, yep. and they were in Christ before I was. Mm -hmm. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Yep. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, mm. and my dear Fane Stachus. Mm. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. You don't understand that word right there, you know. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Do you need to find the definition of fidelity? And then find me some more trans translations because you see these scriptures, this will sound like just a greeting. This is a roll call of his army. He said, his fidelity, he was sold to one man. His fidelity, he did not cheat on God. He was not going to have an other affair with this world. He said his fidelity to Christ has stood the test, meaning he was tried and tested by the things of life that would make him have alternative options. But he said this fidelity stood the test. Whatever was going on in his life and what wasn't going on in his life didn't matter. He was going to be a mission man. Go and read the definition. Faithfulness. Oh my Careful days. and exact observation of duty. Careful and exact observation of duty. This man was not going to waver from his seed target. He's going to continue increasing. These are the kind of men that were written in the hall of fame of faith. Greet these men because their fidelity to Christ had stood the test. There was nothing that would stop him from 
carrying out the duties. He had a careful and exact observation to his duties. Or performance. I love this bit. Go for it. Performance of obligation. Or performance of obligation. So he stood the test. Seasons when he was low, he still performed his obligation. Seasons when he was high, he still performed his obligations. Great appellants whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Go for it. Amplified classic. Go for it. Great appellants, mm. the one tried and approved in Christ, the what? Messiah. He said he's been tried and approved. What is the phase for some of you now? Approval. Approval as economic liberators for this generation. That is the stage and structure for some of you now. He said these men were tried and approved. They were tried and tested. So every time a test comes my way, he's saying, now can you move this thing into the million pound realm? I'm saying that my fidelity to Christ cannot be questioned anymore. I'm ready to take on any test that's in front of me. I'm not getting older and getting wary. I'm getting older and getting more fired up. Go for it. Good news. Mm. Greetings to Apelles, whose loyalty to Christ mm. has been proved. It's been proven. So don't sit there and think, well, I've been doing this for some time. You haven't. You know, I wrote in my notebook the other day, I said, you see, I'm not even going to talk about time until I'm 20 years into this thing. Then I'll be start saying I've been doing this for a while. Whose loyalty to Christ was proven. So what am I saying today? We can stop that there. What am I saying today as I round up? I'm enjoying this too much. I might preach for two hours, but I don't want to. I'm saying there are three things here. The imitation. Okay, go on. Hello to Apelles, mm. a tried and true veteran yeah. in following Christ. So is this man talking about simple men and women or is he talking about the, the roll call of generals in his army? Men that he went to war with that were by his side, a tried and true veteran in following Christ. Said, so, oh, well, I've been here for five years and nothing is happening. I'm thinking, guy, you're still in the trying. You're still in the trying to see whether you're temperamental or you've, you're stable and you can become tried and true. So when we talk about raising finances for a 21st century movement and economic saviors, when we talk about some of the businesses that we're talking about, we're actually really talking about men. When we speak, yes, the, the name Nightshield might ring around the world eventually as a, a multi-billion, multi-trillion pound company. But you see, underneath that would have to be a man. There would have to be a man who risked his life. And, and, and maybe night show, some of you would expect it to be that. So let me move away from that. And let me say everyday cosmetics. If an everyday cosmetic will become a globally renowned company, and a multi-trillion pound company, there will be a constant habitual habit of the leader of that company to actually be a person that knows how to risk their life monthly and daily. 
They're not trying to settle in comfort. But they're risking all their resources and pointing it towards warfare. Messages like this are not for the faint-hearted. The next question is, where is the balance? Can I tell you something? There is none. There is no balance. Everything you are and everything you have would be for mission. I love the greeting of Priscilla and Aquila who risk their lives. I think one of them says they risk their necks for my sake. I love the three mighty warriors of David who at the risk of their life went to go and get David water. So what do we have ahead of us? We have three months ahead of us. And you know what I want you to do from this presentation today is to begin to write what is my own role in the financial targets that have been set and begin to declare them I'm saying look over the next three months I want to have given X and X XYZ amount that's what I want to have done then you begin to risk your life the war that we are waging is for the sake of a generation. How would David and his men make sure that Israel is the most revered nation? At the time of David, it had to come at every instant, the risking of life. If I'm on zero pounds, I can't look any different than if I'm on one million pounds in the account. I can't look any different because the truth of the matter is I know how to abound and to abase. So I've got one more scripture to close this all off with and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. No, I think it's 10, sorry. No, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, yeah, verse 10 or 9. And I'll close it with this because again, these are, my, these are the scriptures that I, I am I'm desperate to, to, to believe God that will happen to some of you. And it says, and God is able to bless you. And God is able to bless you abundantly. That's right. So that in all things, at all times. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So the ability of God is that he's able to bless. I read the scripture the other day. The blessing of God makes rich. And God is able to bless you abundantly. The blessing of God makes rich and adds no sorrow. So that you, that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So we finish and round up with this word called good. So that you are able to abound in every good work. This is my sort of charge to you as we open up our economic campaign for the next three months. I'm asking you to abound to every good work and understand that God is able to bless. He has ability to, but the kind of man he will, we have detailed today. 
Don't settle for conditions of peace. Live in real time with the real situations and confront them at every level with a warm mindset. Every stage you have to fight yourself on, fight yourself. Until you actually get to a place in your life where everything surrenders to the predetermined plan of God. This is the message I've come to deliver you to you this afternoon. As we get ready for more word later on this evening. So I'm still back later on this evening. But we get ready for more word. It is a time of hunger. We die here. I love that. I'm just seeing that now, Madam Lydia. Apelis means code one. We code one. It's a time of hunger for those who are called out. We risk our lives for the sake of this nation and this mission. And what looks like a joke today, jokingly enters into a level where nations will flow into it and the law will proceed from it. And why is that? Because there were just some men that were willing to sacrifice all for it. So it is no longer a case of who's here and who's not here. It is now a case of who is willing to carry out the next level and phase of assignment. Who's willing to push through the agenda of God. So no leader at this moment is looking to see who has left or who hasn't left. We're looking to see who is now going to be able to live in such a way where they are Eat, they are swinging their sword one day, but they're then with their family enjoying another day. We, we enjoy with the family, there's no doubt, but we also wage war with the family. Everything is with the men who are called to mission alongside us. Everything. So this is not a doom and gloom message. This is a message of family and mission. And let me stop here today because I'm very conscious of time. But I hope you've been blessed by God's word. And should I read it? Go for it. Go for it. We'll read it. This is how we close out today. This is a blessing anyway. So it's, 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 it's Pastor Remy that's keeping me going. But go on. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Yeah. So that in all things, at all times. Yeah. Having all that you need, yep. you will abound in every good work. That's right. Go on, nine. As it is written, yeah. they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Uh -huh. Their righteousness endures forever. Ten. Now he who supplies seed to the sower uh -huh. and bread for the food uh. will also supply and increase your store of seed Kalia and Kataya. will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I have to pray in tongues over that one though. Now he who supplies seed to sower, to the sower, may he increase your supply this month in the name of Jesus. And bread for food. So he doesn't just supply seed, he also supplies bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. So may he open your store this month, your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I, <laughs> no, I'll leave it here today because there's a lot of work to get through today. Honestly, 
as reckless as this sound, we die here. I like it when I talk from a place where I'm thinking about the uncommon sense of my words. You know, it's like, it's like when you say we die here, what does that mean? You know, if one of your parents are listening with you, they'll be saying, hey, uh, Jesus Christ, see what my child is listening to. But we die here. What is that in what we are called to do? That is, despite the circumstances that meet us along the way, we live a sacrificial life. We fire up others. We set ourselves as an example. No matter what may come our way, we stay firing. I love you all. This afternoon, I love you all. And I wish you a good afternoon tonight, 8 p.m. as usual. We're going to be live with the nation family. And it's just going to be a time of hunger, preaching the word, rallying ourselves up for the new level, the new, the new assignment that's on us right now. And we're going to continue. They said TPT is for perfection. Ah. As I'm talking, I'll allow Remy to read it, and I'll just engage with you. So I hope you've been blessed by the word today. I... I'm ready for more words tonight. I think I've, I've sort of sprayed everything here, but we'll see where we're going later tonight as well. So we've got three, three words from some of the leaders tonight. Um, three words, and then PT will come and give us an installment of the word. But everybody around you, fire up your circle. Have conversations on seed and souls. Fire them up. Tell them, what are we doing this month? Create small circles, small groups where you're firing up your people. What are we doing? Are we, are we those that are disqualified because now we're just too busy with our vineyard? Or are we those who have, are not afraid and are not faint-hearted? We are unwavering in resolve. If that's the case, then... I ask you and I urge you to fire up others. This message will be available on SoundCloud. I had a message from Princess Nadi the other day. It says, sir, the messages you preach are not available online. Uh, and I said, uh, because I want to I wanna get to a place where I'm, I'm speaking like, like the, the um, I can't even tell you the, the people I want to speak like now. But we're raising an army. So if you feel like you've been around for a while and did it, then rest, rest. But if you feel fresh and fired up, then let's engage in this campaign together. Read Second Corinthians, and this is how we share the grace with each other today. Go for it. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. Oh, my so that you will have more than enough mm. of everything. Whoa. Every moment and in every way. <laughs> he will make you overflow with abundance yeah. in every good thing you do. Yeah. Just as the scriptures say mm. about him, the one trust. You can read it. Because he has sown extravagantly. I love that because he says, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor. His kindness and generous deeds 
will never be forgotten. Mm -hmm. This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread, bread. for our meals. I love it. It's even more extravagant towards oh you. First, he supplies every need, mm. plus more. Wow. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, mm. so that the harvest is generous of your, your generosity, generosity will grow. The harvest of your generosity will grow. I love you all. See you later on with the nation family.